0: Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze.
1: Welcome to the Unresolved Life podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I have a real treat for us. But uh, before we get that, get to that, I wanted to make a couple of, of announcements. First of all, I wanted to thank everybody who has been rate, rating, subscribing, and reviewing. A lot of really good feedback has been coming in. If you're wanting to get in touch with me and let me know what you guys want to hear about, you can email me at Teresa at unresolved.life. And the, and the basic thing I want you to answer is this. What are the things that are unresolved in your life? What, what areas do you want me to cover in future episodes? So give me a ring and uh, let's let's see what we can do about that. So today I have Master Dean. And how do you spell your last or say your last name again? MacIntyre mcintyre thank you well i met her in the daily audio bible facebook friends group and you know uh we just have really gotten along we talked a little bit she had an idea for a show and i thought you know what why not and due to the subject of the show i thought it might be a good idea to open up with a bit bit of poetry the poem is entitled war zone careful now as you step inside the war zone that is my mind avoid the craters and the pits and the shrapnel lodged within, embedded deep where none can see. The casualties remain. A tourniquet stop the bleeding. A healing hand hand beckons. But I can't, or do I fear revealing? The cause behind the scenes of these weaponized memories. Can I truly be free? The choice remains with me. Pastor Gene, you wanted to come and and talk to us about, like, dealing with mental health or dealing with what I like to call mental shrapnel. So do you want to kind of get, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll kind of get going? My name actually is Lilia Geneva Algandona Arguelles
0: Carrillo Betancourt, but I'll keep it short. <laughs> I became an American approximately eighteen and a half and a half years ago when I married my husband, who is from Wisconsin, and um, we met in a very peculiar way. I like to say that we met... Um, via a Christian website in the days where the only people you met through the internet were sexual predators. No, my husband is not a sexual predator, but (laughs) that's just to say we're kind of pioneers and trailblazers. Meeting people nowadays in Christian websites is, is not a big deal. It's something that a lot of people do. But back then when it happened to us, um, it was unexpected. It was not something that we were necessarily looking for, but it happened and we're very grateful. And we've been married for 19 uh, and a half years now. Um, we have two uh, uh, young children and uh, we have been, um, we are, my my husband's home is Wisconsin um, and I live there. We've lived there a couple of times since our marriage, but we've lived most of our marriage life here in uh, Florida, in the Bradenton area. We really like it here. And this second time we've been here for approximately uh, 12 years. Of those 12 years, um, we have been pastoring a congregation called The Altar, A-L-T-A-R, and uh, we are heavily involved in helping communities uh, that are at risk, at risk youth, at risk children, at risk adults. Um, and we've had the opportunity to work uh, with a lot of uh, destitute people and uh, very broken people, of which my husband and I like to say we are the chief um, because we ourselves have been and continue to be in a process of uh, restoration by the Lord. So I think that's in a nutshell um, who I am. I practice law in Panama my um, country of national origin, for seven and a half years. And when I came to the United States, I had anticipated to do, to do the same, just do my bar examination and uh, start practicing law here in the United States. Unfortunately, the U.S. government wanted to send me back to law school, and I decided that since I had waited a long time to become a mom and a wife, I was going to focus on that. Uh, instead, I have been doing uh, human resources, labor relations, employee relations as a human resources professional. And uh, I've been doing that again for the almost the duration of my stay in the United States. And the Lord has been very, very good to me from that perspective. So I am a mother. I am a wife. I work full time and I also co-pastor a church with my husband. So needless to say, we have a very crazy schedule.
1: Oh, I bet I. <laughs> yeah, wow. You mentioned the fact that like you and, and and your pastor work with broken people. How would you define that? I mean, a lot of people say, "Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's that's whack in the world," but you know, how would you define what you guys do? We believe in a
0: in a ministry for the downtrodden, and we love to think of us as kind of a cave of David. Um, there is a beautiful portion in the Bible that tells us about a period of time in David's life when he was being persecuted by King Saul, who knew by then that David had been anointed as the future king of Israel and was trying to take a detour. We know that when we try to do that, it never works. But Saul thought that he could somehow change God's will and and, and cause a, a change by by just getting rid of David. And the Bible tells us that David was running away and he was hiding and he got into this cave and the Bible says that all the destitute, the brokenhearted, the forgotten, the abandoned uh, went into that cave with David. And eventually those were the people that became the valiant ones, the ones that um fought with David and for David and then had positions of authority, some of them, not all of them of course, in his um, army once David stopped running and became the king of Israel. So we like to think ourselves a little bit like a, a cave of David, also a little bit kind of like a hospital where we receive people. And, and you know, you ask a very good question. What is a broken person? I would say that the minute Adam and Eve decided to disobey God in the Garden of Eden and they opened themselves to sin and the influence of evil in our lives, that opened the door to brokenness. And although it may be true that there is a different level of brokenness between you and me, Teresa, the reality is that all of us, one way or the other, are broken. Whether that is mental illness, whether that is insecurity because we were not affirmed when we were growing up, whether that is the results and consequences of our own behavior. If we were sexually promiscuous in our youth and now we pay the consequences of that via, via a disease that embarrasses us, um, whether that is that we are afraid uh, to, to talk to people in public because we have some sort of phobia um, or, or that we are chronically poor and are not very good managing our finances or that we go from relationship to relationship without success because we simply have not been taught or modeled what it looks like to have a permanent, committed relationship. And I could go on and on and on and on. As I said at the beginning, my husband, Pastor John, and I consider ourselves sheaf-broken people. We believe that God allowed all the suffering that He allowed while we were growing up, and even now as adults in ministry— because sometimes it's very hard for us to relate to people unless we have walked a while in their shoes. And so I know that's a long answer to a very short sure question, but that would be my attempt at answering what I would consider broken people.
1: And how much do you think one's childhood plays into this? I mean, especially growing up, let's say someone in dealing with mental illness, a lot of people they think, hey, you know what? If I if I become one of those Christians then all of a sudden all my my, my mental troubles go away, right?
0: That is definitely a concept that is so strong in certain Christianity circles that they look and they frown upon any type of medical help, any type of psychological help, psychotherapy, uh, medication, because they are convinced that anything that they cannot see is spiritual and and, and so because it's spiritual, then it should be able to be fixed uh, just with prayer and fasting. And the moment you come to Christ, then you should be made whole. But nothing is farther from the truth. The Lord says in His Word that when we are going to build a building, we have to calculate, we have to estimate the materials we're going to need, the cost we're going to afford, to make the repairs. Otherwise, we may not be successful. And, you know, the Bible is full of examples of people that were healed on the spot. But the Bible is also full of examples of individuals that were not. The ones that come to mind are the Apostle Paul with his thorn in his flesh. He was a 100% a Christian. Uh, he believed uh, through the power of God in his life. People were being healed. And yet, God clearly told him no the three times that he prayed for God to take a thorn in his flesh. That There's a lot of dispute as to what that thorn was, but we know that the Lord said, no, my power will be made perfect in your weakness. I am not going to take that away from you. We also know that the Apostle Paul told his son, Timothy, he said, Timothy, drink wine for all the stomach problems you're having. And we also know that the paralytic man that was raised by John and Peter in the temple courts right after Jesus' resurrection was living in that town and was in the group of people that wanted to be healed by Jesus during his ministry on earth, and yet he did not receive healing until after the fact. And so what those examples tell us is that God, for reasons that are not completely clear to us, sometimes will heal automatically. Some other times he would take us through a process. And it's important to remember that the Apostle Paul, one of his closest friends, was Dr. Luke, who is the author of the book of Luke and who is the author of the book of Acts. And he was a medical doctor. And he was stuck to Paul's hip and probably helping him with the medical issues that resulted of his ministry and his incarceration and all the torture he had to put up with while he was in ministry. So there's plenty of biblical evidence that it is okay to pray, and it is okay, and God wants us to believe him for a miracle, but there's also plenty of evidence that God desires us to be prosper in every area of our life and that it is not always going to be automatic.
1: Now, that's interesting. I mean, because I, I hadn't even made the connection about the guy that Peter healed and whatnot and the fact that Jesus passed him by. I mean, a lot of people might look at that and they say, OK, maybe there's someone listening. And they're going, you know what? I can't even seem to get through a day without struggle with my thoughts. My thoughts seem to be my own worst enemy. I don't know, maybe they have something in their past. Maybe they, there's just something that, that, that aids at them. Do you have any uh, advice for them in how to deal, overcome that kind of thing? Absolutely.
0: Um, I want to start by the most important thing, and that is, number one, make sure that you have an established relationship with Jesus Christ and that you are walking in friendship with Him. The Bible says that the Lord is our peace. So let's just believe together that if God is not sitting on the throne of your life, and by that, I don't mean that you go to church. By that, I mean that you are in friendship with God. You speak to Him. He speaks to you. You have a close relationship with Him. You consult Him before you make a decision. You go to Him in repentance every day. That is what it means to truly have a personal relationship with Christ, to be a Christian, to be a disciple. So that's number one, because if we do not have peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we are missing the most basic element of peace ever. Number two, if indeed you love Christ, the second step to renew your understanding is the word of God. The Bible clearly tells us that the only way to renew our understanding, in other words, to renew the way we think, is by filling our mind with the words of God. We know that Jesus himself struggled, and there's only one of those struggles reflected in the Bible through the temptation that Jesus received in the desert. And we know that Satan attacked Jesus In his mind, we know that Satan attacked Jesus in the moment of his weakness, and we know that Jesus' weapon of predilection was the Word of God. And unless we fill our minds with the knowledge of God, we are going to believe the lies that we tell ourselves, that other people tell us about ourselves, and most importantly, the lies that our adversary tells about us. So number one, We need to be walking in peace with Jesus. We need to come to him and say, Jesus, you gave your life so that I would be able to connect with God again, so that I would be able to close the gap between me and God. I repent for my sins and I accept you as my Savior. That's number one. Number two, now that I have accepted you, not only do I acknowledge you as my Savior, I acknowledge you as my Lord. Your Lordship means that I don't call the shots anymore. You call the shots. And so because I need to know what you say. I'm going to study your word and study your word. And I'm going to allow that word to renew my mind, to transform the way I think. In other words, if something I'm thinking or I'm about to do is contrary to what your word says, I am not going to do it because you are not only my savior, you are also my Lord. Okay. That's number two. Number three, and this goes hand in hand with obedience. The Bible says that Jesus died to found the church, and the church is the assemblies of believers. And the Bible says very clearly, do not, do not neglect meeting together with other believers as as some are in the habit of doing. So whether that is an accountability group of five individuals that believe in your God, that pray, that can help you, that can support you, or whether that is a larger uh, body of Christian friends, you need flesh and blood people that will create conflict, that will force you to look at somebody else other than yourself, and that will do what the book of Ecclesiastes says, as iron sharpens iron, such a brother will sharpen the other. So surround yourself with people that actually believe in what you believe and that can hold you accountable. And number four, if after praying and after seeking God, you continue and obeying Him and you're pursuing fellowship with other believers, you continue to have problems with your thoughts, then it might be time for you to consider that if God has not healed you completely, you might need some help from a medical professional. I gave the example a while ago, a few minutes ago about the Apostle Paul and Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke was not carnal. He was very spiritual, and he still practiced medicine. There have been incredible developments in the area of medicine that deal with chemical imbalance. And unfortunately, I have been, at specific times in my life, the type of person that got really angry at God and said, I believe you, I have prayed for other people, and they have been healed. I am going to stop taking medication because you need to heal me. You need to heal me automatically, God. You need to heal me in the name of Jesus because the word says that by your stripes, I am healed. The problem with that approach is that I don't boss God around. That is not the established order. I pray. I pray in faith. I pray believing that he can do it. But ultimately, he is the decision maker. He is going to decide whether I receive an immediate, complete healing or whether He is going to choose to use doctors and medication and therapy to help me progressively. And, you know, that is God's prerogative. I don't think any of us has um, a full understanding of why sometimes God heals completely and sometimes He doesn't. But the reality is sometimes He doesn't. And to say that that's not the case... Or to tell a brother and sister that they should not seek medical assistance or they should not seek therapy because that's lack of faith. That is as irresponsible as it would be to tell a brother or sister that has diabetes that they cannot take insulin. Or to tell a brother and sister that has cancer that they should not seek medical attention, radiation or chemotherapy or try to find a a natural help for their condition that would be as ruthless as telling somebody that's been involved in a car accident and that is a Christian, you should not go to the hospital and get your fractures looked on because that would be lack of faith. We don't do it with the brother that has cancer or diabetes or with the person that broke bones because we can actually see and because it's a medical condition that we can, that is tangible, that we can put our hands on. But when it comes to mental illness, we Immediately, not all, but many Christians attribute it to either demon possession, uh, lack of faith, etc., etc. And I would say that as a Christian that has struggled with mental illness for the majority of my adult life, I have been a victim of that. And I, I can say proudly today, I am a believer. I love Jesus. I walk in friendship with him every day. I draw others to Christ on a regular basis. I counsel, I pray, and at the same time, I take medication. I have been under the care of a Christian therapist, and my life is better. And the life of my children and my husband, our marriage, and the life of those that we minister to are better because I chose to not only believe God, but to reach out for medical help, to help with, has been proven is a chemical imbalance in the way my brain functions. And, and there's one more thing that I want to add here, and that is let's never, never, ever, ever forget that God does not give us illnesses. The illnesses come from the enemy of our soul, and it all started in the Garden of Eden with disobedience, and it has continued. Jesus Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to liberate us. And one day he will make us completely free. And all of us, any of us that have put our trust in him and that have had a mental condition or any other medical condition that has not been healed, we will receive complete liberation from those illnesses. But let's never forget that God does not send illness to the world. He does not send uh, diseases but we have an enemy. And that enemy of our souls is as alive and active as our God is. Now our God is greater. The word tells us that greater is he that is in us, that he that is in the world. So our God is powerful and mighty, but we should never forget that we have an enemy. And that just as God has a purpose for me, the enemy has a purpose. He has a plan that he would like to fulfill in me. And that plan, may include allow me to be sick and disappoint me and make me angry at God because I'm not receiving healing the way I want, so that eventually I will grow this courage and it may impact the way I walk my faith. Heck, it may even impact the way I relate to others. So I'm a Christian. I say I'm a Christian. I go to church. And I know I also have an anger issue, an untreated mental health issue. And I decide that I am not going to go to the doctor and I am not going to seek help because God has to heal me. In the meantime, I am making the lives of those around me miserable. So not only am I ruining my own life, I'm ruining my testimony as a Christian because people that look at me are going to say, and that's a Christian and that's a believer. So the question is, if God truly came, and truly send His Son Jesus to give us life and life in abundance. Would that God be angry at us, be disappointed at us, if we use tools that have been established and proven in the medical field to help us live a life more abundantly? Would God prefer for us to be in a corner or continue being living a lifestyle that breaks our own heart and the heart of those who love us just because we are prideful, and decide that we simply are not going to do anything about it unless God heals us automatically. I think that is putting God in a box, and our God can really not be put in a God in a box, lest He wouldn't be God. So again, I I just want to retake that number one. Make sure you have a personal relationship with Christ. Number two, make sure that you are entering the word, studying the word, filling your mind and your spirit with the word so that you can replace the lies of the enemy and the lies that you tell yourself and that other people say about you. You can replace those with God's mind, with the thoughts of God, because the thoughts of God are higher than our thoughts. Number four, do not forsake getting together with other believers that will hold you accountable. Do not forsake that, because even if sometimes you have conflicts and situations, God will use those to mold you into the person He wants you to be. And number five, do not ignore the machination of your adversary. He will completely try to use your weakness, whether it's mental or any other type of illness, so that you will not continue following God. Finally. If God does not heal you automatically and fully, seek medical help. The Apostle uh, John in his epistle to Gaius said, My son, I desire that you be prosper in everything, just as your soul prospers. The Lord wants us to be prosperous in our spirit. He wants us to be prosperous in our body, our health. He wants us to be prosperous in our emotions. And whatever it takes we should pursue it under God's guidance.
1: There's a lot to chew on there. And I want to kind of first uh, stress the need for, you know, the one area where God stepped in on my end and he has done so daily, it seems is the need for iron sharpening iron. I, I have a, a, a couple of friends that daily, it seems at, at, at times, you know, as we talk and as we, you know, deal with whatever, God has used them to help help me kind of keep my thoughts in order. You know, sometimes that's a that's as high order. But, you know, maybe someone's kind of listening, going, "Okay, I'm not so sure about the Jesus thing, but I kind of get the whole the rest of it, you know, get around people to help you stay accountable, to keep yourself going and or and, you know, okay, seek medical attention. But come on, isn't this God thing a crutch?
0: (laughs) Well that's a very good point. Um and I I would answer to that is the best crutch ever. Um and you know what if it's not God you are using some some other type of crutch. For some people is alcoholic beverages. For other people is drugs. For other people is sex. For other people is food. For other people is cars, possessions or their jobs. Those are the people that Are fired from their jobs and jump off a building or fall into a deep depression because that is what defines them. You name it. um, It is not good for men to be alone. That goes all the way back to Genesis, and uh, and so it isn't. And so all of us, all of us need some sort of crutch to move on in life. Some some level of pleasure, something that makes us feel comfortable and that give us a reason to get up every morning. In my case, that is God. And I have been walking with him since I'm nine years old. But I challenge anybody. Hey, oh, and by the way, that's 40 years. So you do the math. I've been walking with God for 40 years and I started following him at nine. So I just told you my age. And so, you know, I I studied very hard. I uh, have several degrees and I practice law and I have a good position and But none of it compares to my relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I would say to anybody that's listening right now, I would challenge you and I would say, why not, God? What makes sex or drugs or, you know, addiction with how you look or the latest car or your addiction to shop until you drop, even if it gets you in 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 financial trouble? What do those things offer you that God cannot? And if you think that those things fill you up, then you should definitely try God because none of those things can purchase your salvation. Ultimately, whether you're healed on this earth of mental illness or any other condition or not, we will all leave this body and face judgment. None of those other crutches prepares you for eternity. A relationship with God does. So ultimately, you can choose not to use God, believing that He's just a crutch. The question is, is the crutch you are using, and we are all using one, preparing you to face eternity? And if you are not sure, I would dare to say eternity is a long time to be wrong. And it's a chance I'm not willing to take. And so that would be my answer for those that say, Is God your crutch? I would say absolutely he is and the best I could have.
1: I would also say, Hey, you know, (laughs) don't just assume because you're struggling with thoughts that it's just how you are. Don't get me wrong, it's a challenge. It's a challenge sometimes to figure things out. But I would also say, you know, hey, figure out what's going on. And after you've kind of walked the steps, well, okay, yes, I believe in Christ. I'm in the Word and I'm around other believers if you're still fighting that battle then oh I absolutely would, yeah i i would also i would also say hey okay one make sure there's not a medical reason but then two make sure that the, that it is not a spiritual warfare because whether we like it or not there is spiritual warfare and i found more often than not a lot of times the enemy likes to mess with us but he doesn't want us to know it's him doing it would you agree with that i would
0: and 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 i would add to that that we are going to have troubles and circumstances and situations and illness and relationship issues, whether we are in the faith or not. The only difference is those of us that are in the faith actually have supernatural help to overcome those issues. If you're not in the faith, you can only handle those issues from a purely material Physical perspective and Teresa, as a believer, you and I, and maybe any, many of the individuals that may be listening right now that are walking with God, we know that the majority of our physical and material problems to are not, do have their actual root, have them in a spiritual matter. And that being the case, trying to live in this world as if this world is all that there is. It's a risky proposition because we know that the spiritual world, both light and darkness, is very, very real. And when you are not walking under God's umbrella of protection, you are walking unprotected and you are walking with a very limited vision of what's really happening in the spiritual invisible realm that you cannot see and without having that kind of capacity, that kind of uh, discernment or enlightenment or understanding you really are at the mercy of the attacks of the enemy and, and 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 at the mercy of the situations of this world with nothing genuinely powerful to give you the ability to withstand and i would say that that is a huge advantage That people of faith have, particularly people that have faith in Jesus Christ, because we are going to face the same problems, the same situations, the same trials, but we have supernatural power to walk us through those situations.
1: Do you have anything final that you want to say to our audience before we uh, sign off? First
0: and foremost, Teresa, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I was actually complimenting your podcast. I have been blessed by listening to one of them, and you offered me the opportunity to come on, and I love the opportunity to love Jesus and to love on His people. So thank you for the opportunity to share. I I want to close my participation tonight with a message, with an exhortation, with a word of encouragement, and that is, it takes a lot more faith to follow God when you don't get what you want from him immediately than it takes when he gives you an immediate miracle. In other words, if you pray today and God heals you completely or God grants you that desire of your heart or God fixes a situation for you and you say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, I'll rejoice with you. But that really doesn't tell me a whole lot about your faith because it's very easy to be grateful and to glorify God and to live for God if things are always going your way. It is when God says no or not yet, and you're still sick and you're still struggling and you're still wondering why, and you still have unresolved questions, and you still continue to follow God in spite of your questions, in spite of your situations. It is that, that is what really takes faith. The second part of the, of the, of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, which is the chapter of faith, speak to us about people that prayed and that never saw what they were praying for. But the Bible says that they left this world with faith and with hope, and they are considered men and women of faith, not because of what they received. But because of what they hope for. And, be, and, and because in spite of all the trials and tribulations they went through, they never cease believing and following in spite of. That is my life. I wish that I could tell you that I prayed one day and God completely healed me and I no longer have mental illness and I am whole, but that's not my story. My story is that second part of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. I am one of those that continues to struggle, that that has to make a decision every day that doesn't feel good every day, that is, doesn't have it all together a 100% of the time. But I choose to believe God and I choose to push myself forward every day with the help of God and not give up. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what true faith under fire looks like. So I rejoice for automatic miracles. I have prayed for people and I have been a witness of those myself. But the greatest miracle of of all, besides receiving salvation of your sins by Jesus Christ, the greatest miracle of all in my estimation is the miracle of people that haven't received what they have asked for, but they choose to believe and hope and move forward as they wait for that answer.
1: I don't think we can... Say much more to kind of wrap that one up. I really don't. I think that's a good note to end on. With that, Gene, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and it has been a pleasure to have you, guys. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. If this show has been helpful to you, would you do me a favor and share it so that other people can be helped alongside yourself? And I, I mean, and I would really love to hear you know just what you guys have thought, and again, what are the questions that you want me to cover and upcoming episodes. So with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life podcast. We will talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Unresolved Life podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.